0: Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740
2: Garden Show with Charlie Dolvin. Good morning. Well, I don't sound like Frank. Because Frank's not here, but I do have a special guest in the studio. Welcome, Tina Van Andel. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I needed a buddy, right? I can't be here all by myself. (laughs) I'm willing, ready, and able. Perfect. Well, Tina is a Master Gardener. She's just returned, actually, from an international Master Gardeners convention, so she's going to tell us all about that, and meeting Master Gardeners from all over the world. And where was that? That was in Iowa, wasn't it? It was in
3: Iowa. It was put on by Iowa and Nebraska. Cool. It was just a river that ran between the
2: two. The two states. So it jumped
3: back and forth, yes.
2: You ran across a bridge to go to different seminars. That's right. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, it was wonderful. Oh. All right. Well, okay, so... Since I'm being frank, and you're gonna be me for today as much as we possibly can, which frankly is impossible because nobody can be frank except Frank, I'll tell you the numbers if you'd like to call in and you've got two Master Gardeners here in the studio, myself as an honorary and Tina as a real Master Gardener, not to mention she is a longtime member of the Toronto Master Gardeners. She's the coordinator, event coordinator of the Master Gardeners of Ontario. So she knows a lot. Knows, so you've got real good people here. If you've got questions, give us a call. If you're local, the number's is 416-360-0740 or long distance 866 866- 740-4740. So there's the numbers, Gives a call, the mantra, call early, call mm. often, one question per call. And uh, I see we do have some calls lined up, but before we get to any of our callers, Tina's going to do what I normally do, which is a couple of announcements. So I'm going to hand the announcements over to her. Thanks, Charlie. The agent
3: court garden club is hosting a meeting this monday october 5th at knox united christian education center that's at 2575 midland avenue at shepherd in toronto at 8 p.m jane fairburn will be speaking on along the shore rediscovering toronto's waterfront everybody's welcome to attend there'll be a flower veggie and design show with 51 different categories free parking and best of all dessert (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society will be meeting Tuesday, October 6th at the McConkie Centre, which is 10100 Young Street in Richmond Hill at 8pm. The guest speaker is Marion Jarvie, who will be speaking about a York Region garden.
2: I imagine that's probably hers, don't you think? I think it might be, yeah. Which yeah, I've heard a gorgeous garden. We were saying before the show, both uh, T- Tina and I have know Marion and know about her garden, but neither of us have actually even have visited her garden. She's got a very good website, and actually maybe I'll bring that up and we can tell people Excellent. when it is an open garden or go to this Richmond Hill meeting because everyone's yes. always welcome to the Hort Society meetings. For sure.
3: Um, they are going to be talking about the structure and the shrubs and all of the beautiful dramatic foliage, and there will be a harvest flower show to feast your eyes on. And again,
2: everybody's welcome. And there's usually good snacks. You know, the thing about hort societies, it's the, it's the social So chit-chat, make new friends, learn things, the education. And then there's the edibles. Yes. I was at the Orno Hort Society, and they had – it was a big fundraiser, and it was a dessert event. Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't have believed the tables. There was this long table, like tables all strung together down the entire length of a gym, Hmm. loaded. With homemade goodies.
3: I find that gardeners
2: are the best cooks. <laughs> I know. They put on the best spreads. They're the friendliest people and they're good cooks yes, on top of it all. So that's that's great. All right. So here we go. Um, we're not going anywhere, of course. We're going to be right back to talk to Mike, who's calling us from Collingwood. But in the meantime, we have a few messages from our sponsors. Fur and feathers and bugs
1: of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. i um, forty. We're back.
2: This is Charlie Dobbin. Joining me in the studio is Tina, Tina Van Andel. Welcome again, this is going to be a lot of fun. Of course, you know, I'm going to try and be frank, but like I said, nobody can be. And you're going to try and be me. So let's go to our first caller. We've got Mike on the line calling from Collingwood. Good morning, Mike.
4: Good morning. I wanted to ask you about my mandivella plant. Okay. I put it in last, uh, last winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, lots of blossoms. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the winter, by, um, I'm said maybe by February, there was not one leaf left on the plant. I was worried that it was dying, mm-hmm. but it, I kept watering it, spraying it. It did come around, and this past summer, the most beautiful thing you want to look at. That's great. Right. Was that normal? Should I have done something different to keep the leaves on there, or what? Uh, I'm, I'm a little puzzled.
2: Well, um, where did you have it over the winter, last winter? Where I it in, in the basement? Okay, and is there any light in the basement? Uh, it would get maybe two to three hours a day of uh, sunlight. But but probably more like an indirect light rather than a, like a south window or something. You know, sometimes people have a patio door that faces south. Uh, yeah, and yeah. If you have bright, bright light or artificial illumination, mm-hmm. grow lights, kind of lights, you can keep a mandevilla perking along in the winter with sufficient light. So holding on to its leaves, putting out some new growth. Uh, you know, not growing as quickly and as as lushly as it does in the summer, but certainly it, it should continue to grow in the winter or at least maintain its green leaves. Uh, though, honestly, all plants, when they go from outside to inside, will lose some leaves. Okay. It probably lost all its leaves just because of the low light levels. Okay. Okay? But it's good that you didn't... Sometimes when we water plants that have no leaves on them, we, we kill them with love. Right, just you know, if it's not, not photosynthesizing, you could have caused the roots to rot. So do be careful of that. And spraying like misting is always great for tropical plants. I cut it back? I wait I would wait. When you bring it in it's gonna be covered in flowers. So you know, don't cut it till you have to, but for sure you're gonna cut it back by the end of February, if not before, based on you know tips dying or dead, you know growth or yellow leaves or whatever, but for okay. sure you just chop it right back at the end of February, early March, so it will grow big and beautiful for next spring and summer.
4: How far back would I cut it?
2: Well, how big of a pot is it in?
4: Uh, I'll guess to say 15 inch.
2: Well, and when you bring it in, what, what's it going to be? About three feet tall, three feet wide?
4: Yes, about three feet tall. Yes.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Tina? I mean I'd cut it back pretty hard. I'd take away probably at least a half the plant. Yes, I would okay. too. Yeah.
3: And I have great sympathy for you, Mike. Every plant that I bring in, my hibiscus and my mandevilla, they are all pouting come February, and I just have to barely keep them alive till I can get them back outside again. And then they perk up, and they're wonderful.
2: And that when they're pouting, yeah, in February, that's when we do the trimming back. Yes, and of course a little more water, a little bit of fertilizer starting in March, and that's what will really get them to grow. Okey doke. We've got Mel on the line. He's calling from Grimsby. Good morning, Mel. Good morning.
5: What's going on at your place? Pardon? What's going on at your place? Uh, my problem is the raspberry canes, mm-hmm. especially this cold, windy weather we're having is mm-hmm. giving them a hard time. When that hot weather hit, of course, mine are ever-bearing raspberries, but they, it really shuts the whole thing right down when you get those hot, dry spells like this summer. Mm-hmm. But then when it was over, they come back. Uh, some of the canes have grown as high as eight feet. And, of course, this kind of wind is giving them a hard time. I was wondering, can I cut them back now or do I have to wait till spring?
2: I'm going to let
3: Tina answer that question. So you can cut them back now to about three to four feet if you want to. Um, Sometimes we do like to leave them, though, because we'll get more berries on the canes next spring. But if it's going to destroy them, if they're going to snap or something like that, then you should
5: cut them to three or four feet. I see. So I could cut them back now and then do the normal spring thing if to cut out the dead and so on exactly. like that. Correct. But it wouldn't hurt them to cut back some of these long ones now then.
3: No, you might lose a few berries, but no, it won't hurt the plant at all.
5: And oh, it, that's, that was my main concern, if I, it would hurt the plant, because it's unusual the way they've grown so tall. And as I say, this wind mm-hmm. is really giving them a hard time and it's, I wanted to cut them back, but I wanted to make sure I wouldn't be harming the plants yeah. at no, this time.
2: No, I, I I agree with Tina. I think that, if anything, it's going to be better for the plants to cut them back because they will get damaged, whipping around in the wind.
5: This is what they're doing, yes. Yeah,
2: and it's just going to get gustier. I mean, we've got some... I think that hurricane might be affecting us a little bit at some point, I'm not sure, but certainly this east wind and we've got some strong northerly gusts okay. on the, the schedule for the forecast for all this weekend.
5: Yeah, well, I'm... Gr- I'll take care of them today then and not take a chance of harming them anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
5: amazing. I, when I checked them yesterday, after the long hot spell, there was about a dozen nice berries all on one chute, oh, one clump. Wonderful. It's amazing how they would come back. How oh. many jars? Anyway, thank you very much. Thank- I'll get them trimmed before I do any more damage, and we'll go from there. All
2: right. Thanks for your right. call, Mel.
5: Thank you very much.
2: I love raspberries. Me too. That's my favorite fruit. Yes.
3: And freezer jam, I've made jars and jars of freezer jam. It tastes so fresh. Yeah. So, why do you do freezer jam instead of cook jam? Just because it's, you don't have to cook it. It's much easier. Yeah. You can make a whole batch in half an hour. Hmm. Yep.
2: And you don't have to add pectin or sugar or anything. Well, there, or you, you do, do add,
3: a bit, yes. But a you don't thicken. have to heat it at all. You just mix it all up and let it sit for a
2: bit. Cool. Well, you know, I remember a long, long time ago, I lived in the Yukon, and uh, a lot, a lot of wild raspberries up there. Oh. And uh, I used to just pick them all the time. And I got to the point where I was so tired of making jam, I started, if you can imagine, making raspberry jelly. Which is God. so much better because you don't have the seeds, That's right? That's right. But you gotta hang all your berries for days to catch oh. the juice. But I was just I had so many raspberries, Well, they and they're so good. The natural ones, you know, the fresh wild ones, right? Yep. So uh Tina is a master gardener, as I mentioned. Uh, similar to myself, obviously active in the garden. How's, Very much. has How's your garden coming? Is it all ready for winter? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you, similar to me, because I have tons to do in my garden. I'm sure you're probably just mm-hmm. about as, you know, backed up with other things as I am. So one of the things I do, and Frank and I talk about this, is to being active, and I'm a woman of a certain age. I mean, you're obviously way younger than me. Yeah. Uh, no. But uh, when, to avoid stiff, um, sometimes my joints get stiff. My wrist, when I'm doing a lot of pruning. Or weeding or weeding and Mm -hmm. knees going up and down Mm -hmm. and i have found a product called sierra sill which is a completely natural mineral supplement somehow magically this dust from the sierra mountains oils the joints wow don't really know how it works but it does work (laughs) works for me anyway so just a thought that if you're ever um, at that point where you're thinking oh my joints are feeling a little stiff certainly worth trying and the other product that Sierra Sil makes is um, an oil with all kinds of great – I'll let you read about it here. It's actually got um, uh, – it uh, reduces inflammation. It's a topical spray. Reduces inflammation, provides temporary pain relief, of course, naturally scented, and it smells amazing. So that's good oh. if you've got sore muscles. Thanks for the tip. From hauling or digging or whatever. So for more information, you can check out Sierra Sil on the web, sierrasil.com, or give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 Hello. Yes, it's Charlie Dobbin. Joining me today is Tina Van Andel. I'm here. Yep, and she's a master gardener, and she's very clever. So call and ask those tough questions. We've got Dorothy on the line from Toronto. Good morning, Dorothy. Good
7: morning. My uh, question is, it's my my cyclamen plant. Mm -hmm. It's dying now because I've had it since April, Mm -hmm. and I'm down to two blossoms, Mm -hmm. and when they die, I would like to... to, um, do something to the plant so that it comes back again.
2: Okay. What it, do I do? It must have some leaves on it, though, doesn't it? Pardon? Does it have leaves on it? Yes. Okay. Um, the leaves are just starting to turn yellow. Hmm. How often are you watering it, Dorothy?
7: Um, I water it from the bottom, which Good. you said to do, mm-hmm. and uh, I water it about once a week. Mm-hmm. And it sits in the, the water for about four hours, mm-hmm. and
2: there. Uh, it's in the north window. Okay. And then after 4 hours if there's any water left in the saucer you uh, empty it. Pour it out.
7: Yeah. Hmm, is it in a cool area because I yes, know sick- well, it's in the living room, but it's on the windowsill and it it's cooler on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. Good. And Uh, I don't know whether to leave it there.
2: Yep, you should, definitely. Cyclamen want to be kept cool in order to keep flowering. But don't think of it as dying just because it might not have flowers on it. That's the thing we have to remember is that just because an orchid doesn't have flowers doesn't mean it's dead. It just means it doesn't have flowers. As long as it's got good-looking leaves, more flowers will come. And that's the same with your cyclamen. Yeah,
7: but if they're, I was going to say, uh, they're dying now. How how long a rest period do they need?
2: Well, I have seen cyclamen that don't rest at all. You're right. You could if you. There are a couple of ways to to raise cyclamen, but I have seen cyclamen in fairly sunny locations actually bloom nonstop year round. Now that does require being careful with your watering. So, if you were watering once a week all summer. Because the days are now getting shorter and the plants are responding by slowing down, it is possible that you need to water either with less water or with less frequency as we get into the dark days of winter. So instead of watering by the calendar, I I suggest you feel the soil or the weight of the pot before you water again. That might be part of why you're getting yellow leaves.
7: And how long before uh, my... uh plant
2: has blooms again. Well, hard to say. It needs to be happy and in optimal conditions. But be very careful of of not overwatering any houseplants as as the days get shorter. That's true for all of us with all of our houseplants. So it might be two weeks now that you'll wait between watering. So make sure the soil feels quite dry before you water again. And I think you'll find new leaves will start to pop. And if it's happy, flowers will start to pop as well. So you know what? Could, you could end up getting some flowers anytime in the next few weeks because they do their best in the winter. Cyclamen yes. are a are a winter flowering plant. Well, that's great. Okay, so hold on to it. Just be careful to not overwater. Fine. thanks, Thank Dorothy. You very much. You're welcome. Good luck. <laughs> That's great, hey. Eh? Okay, Doke. Well, let's see. Oh, I'll let you answer this one for sure because we've got <laughs> Susan on the line from Oakville, and she's going to ask you about hydrangeas. Good oh, morning, goodness. I'd like to give that question right back to you,
3: <laughs> Charlie. We,
2: morning, Susan. Good morning. Morning. First time caller. Oh, oh, first. Oh, you know what? I don't have the bell. Oh, I'm not being a very good Frank. Okay. Ding. ding a ling a <laughs> ling Where's Frank? <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome. You just got your wings.
4: Okay, thank you. Um, hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. I had two endless summer hydrangeas in the garden. Yes. And I got one bloom on them this year. Mm-hmm. And I need to trim them back.
2: But where to? Because I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, Tina, <laughs> Tina's waving you. This okay? Endless summer hydrangeas are one of the most commonly asked plants that we're most commonly asked about because they can be so frustrating. They are not consistent bloomers. Unfortunately, we have years with good bloom, and then typically the next year we have a year with virtually no bloom. What I would do if I were you is I would do no trimming on those plants at all until next spring. Okay. Just leave them alone. Next spring, as the spring is starting to, to spring, and the birds are singing and things are starting to wake up, and you go outside and you look at this plant or these plants, you will see little green buds, little, like little soldiers yep. on the stems in pairs. And what I do is I will cut the entire shrub down to the lowest common denominator. So if I've got one branch that has buds 10 inches high and another branch with buds 2 inches high, I take everything down to 2 inches. Okay. Okay. And, but do that in the spring when you can see what's alive because the green is starting to show. And I would certainly give it some mulch mm-hmm. and some compost and keep it
3: moist because they yeah, do like water.
4: Good spot because they're not in full sun; they're morning sun pretty much. And mm-hmm. good, drying well, out. They're, they're healthy. The plants yeah. look wonderful.
2: <laughs> uh, compost will help feeding the plant or fertilizing. We like to fertilize everything in the spring, whether it's with you know composted manure or homemade compost or you know mixing up a fertilizer. Either way, feed what, like a miracle grow or something. Miracle Grow is fine in the spring. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. Let us know how that goes. And as far as the rest of the
4: stuff in the garden, you just whack it back. It's right? That.
2: But- well, I'm not a big whacker. I mean, you're actually, you're breaking the rules right now with that second question. But, but you do bring up a good point. Um, there was a time, and I see people do, doing this still, that the scorched earth policy in the fall was what gardeners were supposed to do, meaning everything was supposed to be cut back, cleaned up, bare earth, no leaves, you know, that way you would avoid insect and disease problems. However, in my 30 plus years of gardening, I have found it's better to not do that and to only cut back what you really need to. Peonies, for example, we cut them back for various reasons. Fox. Some plants we do cut back. Lots of plants we don't. The, the birds will be able to visit and take seeds. There's the ornamental value of things like sedum as they stand up in the snow or um, echinacea, black-eyed Susans, ornamental grasses. These plants look lovely in the winter. So I leave all that stuff alone. And phlox?
4: Flocks,
2: uh-huh. I usually cut back.
4: Yeah, yeah. You, I, okay, yeah.
2: I've already done that. See, yeah. we
4: go for the winter, and I, I don't like the mess when I come back.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know what else? I, I'm, one year, I ran at a time in the fall, and I never got a chance to cut back my hostas. But guess oh, yeah. what? In the spring, there was nothing to cut back. Right. It, all the leaves collapsed to the ground right. and mulched and composted themselves and disappeared. I oh. thought... Wow. Mm-hmm. I I'm really glad That's an easy way to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So sometimes if you just leave it alone, this stuff looks after itself anyway and it's good. It's doing it's adding very good material to your soil when that happens.
4: Great. Well, now, listen to you every Saturday and each dot time I think Oh, I must phone, I must phone and ask.
2: Okay. Finally, I got through. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call. And Tina, wants to say well, something? Well,
3: I just wondered, Charlie, though, if you would recommend cutting out anything that had powdery mildew or any kind of fungus in it and get rid of that so it doesn't overwinter in the soil.
2: Yeah. Uh, prob- that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, feeling- uh, and phlox would be a good I example think, yes. of something like that. Whereas uh, a lilac that had phlox on it, you wouldn't cut that back. No, no. But that's the good garden hygiene. So that's where, yeah, I'm talking about leaving leaves, but diseased leaves, where possible, should be removed. Uh, even, um, you know, say you have a crab apple and it's dropping its, its little apples because the birds haven't taken them. Those are the kinds of things we should clean up because we are just going to attract disease and and wasps and all kinds of things. So, yeah, there's there's that fine line between leaving those leaves out and kind of having everything just naturally decomposed and then avoiding problems. Yes. Right. Okay. good. Well, thanks for that. Good. Good points, Tina. All right. I think we have time to speak with Tom, who's calling us from Scarborough. Good morning,
5: Tom. Good morning. How are you? And welcome, Tina. Thank
4: you,
2: Tom. All right. What's going
4: on at your place? Well, my, my thing is, I have 12 uh, canna
5: lilies, only five bloomed. So my question is, the ones that don't bloom, am I still going to get productive bulbs from them?
2: Oh, likely, yes. Um, I wonder why they didn't bloom. When did you get them outside or get them potted up?
4: Um Probably around May I planted them.
2: Right. And if you could have possibly planted them any earlier inside in pots, you would uh-huh. have had flowers on all of them, I bet. Yes. I right. usually start mine in March. Yeah. If yeah. you've got big enough pots, yes. right? Sometimes the cannas are so big but if, and the room inside. But if you can start, like wake them up and get them growing in March, April, by the time you get them outside, they're going to be blooming in June, July, Right.
5: Yes. Right. Okay. Well, I just wanted to know, I'm going to dig them all up mm-hmm. in a week or two. I just want to know all the bulbs I can save.
2: Yep, you can. But okay. wait till we've had a good frost before you do any yeah. digging, right? Let that, let frost knock the foliage down, and mm-hmm. that will then f- cause those tubers to become dormant. If you dig them up too early, they're, they're still... they ha- all the carbohydrate hasn't been truly stored in the tuber yet, if right. you dig them too early. So that, that frost is kind of the, the cutoff point, and it's the right. best time to to and dig And the after. remainder
4: of the plant is good for compost? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Okay, thank you very much, ladies.
2: You're right. welcome. Right. Thanks for your call. I would like to just give out the numbers for anybody who would like to call, because we do have a line open right now, Local, locally, if you're in the 416 Toronto area, it's the number's 3600740 or if you're calling from outside the GTA with the number's 86674047 Four zero, All right. And I think that this is a really good opportunity for Tina to just give us a little bit of a background, a bit of an update on what's going on with the Master Gardeners these days.
3: It's exciting times for the Master Gardeners. We are actually planning our second Canadian conference, which will be held in April, mm-hmm. April 8th till 10th. To 2016 at Deerhurst Resort in Huntsville, Ontario. And this conference is not just for master gardeners, it's for anybody that's interested in gardening.
2: Keen gardeners. Keen gardeners. We have some
3: really interesting speakers. uh, One on plant intelligence. Oh, neat. Yes, more and more people. There's more and more scientific studies on uh, how plants talk to each other and protect each other, so that will be very interesting. And how we talk to
2: our plants. That's exactly true. And they talk back to us if we can listen properly. They pout sometimes. In February, if right. we're not treating them right. right.
3: Yes. So there'll be lots of interesting speakers. Registration's open now. Mm-hmm. If you go to our website, which is conference.mgoi C A. You can register there, and early bird registration is a discount. It's over December first, and there will be a draw for two free nights at Deerhurst. Oh, so, nice! Yeah, it's a
2: great yeah. conference center up it's there. Lovely, right? absolutely lovely. And your timing is beautiful in April. Well, we're, a little we're
3: too hoping. <laughs> we're hoping it could be very spring-like, or maybe the last <laughs>
2: snowfall. That yeah, we'll you never see. know when you're yes. up in Muskoka, but it's still lovely, it and is. it's not too busy at that time of I mean, year with boats and nope. sea dews nope. and all that it's noisy beautiful. stuff.
3: No, and we'll have some outdoor sessions as well Good and it's it's going to be a lot of and a lot of fun. We'll have a spring fling dinner and Ooh. a pollinator in contest and a trivia contest, reach for the Tree Tops.
2: Uh, reach for the treetops! Yes. I was the original winner of that original yes, contest. Yes, you were. I know. I think I'll have to come and compete in that again. <laughs> I should be invited back, I think, on principle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> I know. Paul Zamet's mom, I think she had a contract out on me after that Yeah. because I was making <laughs> such a big deal about Having whooped everybody's butts in that uh, yeah. and the people whose butts I whooped were big people, yes I mean, they were it was Ed Lawrence who yep. hosts the other garden show other on CBC and Dennis Flanagan and Paul Zamet and myself yes. at Canada Blooms a couple of years ago yes. and I was yes i was I was pretty much strutting my stuff after that one <laughs> so that's a, okay, so conference dot. M-G-O-I. M-G-O-I stands for Master Gardeners of Ontario Incorporated. Yes. .ca uh, for registration and and just C A for more information about Master Gardeners.
3: Yes. We have a list of all the local Master Gardeners at the McGoy website, and we answer garden questions 24-7 all year round. That's right. So
2: if you can't get through to me, you can always... Please do. You don't do it via phone, though. It's just email. No, a lot of the groups do still use phones. Oh, is that right? Yep. Good stuff. And um, if a person wanted to learn more and they got – looked at the McGoy, M-G-O-I website and said, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. I'd like to just go to a meeting or I'd like to just get more information. Anybody could just go, right? We are always looking, guess. yes,
3: for new people. Yeah. That's wonderful.
2: Yeah, because to be a Master Gardener in training is quite a process. Right? And it it's is. quite a big group. It takes a number of years to to graduate from being a trainee to a, an actual full-fledged uh, Master Gardener. Usually two to three years. Yeah.
3: And we and do that through courses at either Dalhousie
2: University or University of Guelph. So, Guelph, you can go to the university. Typically, Dalhousie would be online. Uh, both are online. but Okay, yes. just online. Okay. Yes. And then there's ongoing professional developments. Very much. There's ongoing volunteer requirements. Very much. Uh, There's ongoing, um, you have to actually attend meetings, a certain number of meetings. We do. Which is um, never
3: a chore; it's no. always a pleasure because we always have interesting speakers. Which is part of our continuing education mm-hmm. as well.
2: And it tends to be again a social. You, you end yeah. up making friends. Lots yeah. of snacks, lots of snack, <laughs> not to mention lots of snacks. I was a speaker at the Etobicoke Master Gardeners this same week. I was at Ornos so about ten days ago, mm. and uh, not a huge group, but a very very keen group with lots of great questions and you know. It was it was very it's very fun. I love talking to people that are that are, are, are you know listening and engaged in whatever it is we're talking about. Um, all right. Well that's all good information. Do you have a pet by any chance? A pet? Yeah, I a have dog. two cats. Two cats. Are they young or old? They're just about in the middle. Medium? Yeah, a few years old. I have a, an eight-year-old, not to mention a cat. cat. And um, a few, I have a homeless cat that lives in my back garden Aww. as well. But um, this is something else from Sierra Sil that they just started packaging. Pet chews. Oh, my goodness. Well, so what happened is, is they discovered that just regular Sierra Sil, that stuff I was telling you that helps with joint, mm-hmm. joint you know, stiffness, uh, could be... Uh, included into pet food and with the older dogs, particularly you know, when dogs they're having trouble getting up the stairs, yeah. and you can just see their hips yeah. or slowing them down and or their back or whatever. Suddenly, these dogs were turning into puppies. They were bouncing and jumping, and it was like, oh my gosh, it was totally working. So they decided better do a little more research on this and then make a special chew for pets. So uh, if you've got an elderly pet or a pet that does suffer from a uh, joint pain the uh, the Pet Shoes from Sierra Sil, brand new available for your pet so small dogs or cats, medium dogs, large dogs, there's all kinds of information here on what to do and the website is full of testimonials hmm. uh, also the website has a find a retailer very simple Sierra Sil S-I-E-R-R-A S-I-L dot com to get more information where to buy any of this stuff or call them up, have it shipped, 87 877- Seven Joint Fourteen. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be right back after these Wordsmith. Other sponsors.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM Seven Forty. And we're back. I'm here,
2: Charlie Dobbin, and my special guest, Tina Van Andel. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. It'd be very lonely if I was here all by myself.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: miss Frank. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible to actually miss Frank? <laughs> Frank is actually in New York City, if anybody's wondering. Uh-huh. On he, Broadway. Off to the theater. Yes. Yeah. He hopped a bus. It was a bus tour that he and Shirley went down, but they were going to catch some theater while they were down there, so... Good for them. Nice place to go. It's uh, chilly and windy here. Gray skies. Nice to get out of Toronto if you can. Oh, we've got Tina on the line. She's calling from Toronto. Good morning, Tina. Hello. Hi there. It's Dina. Oh, Dina. Hi, hi
6: Charlie and Tina. Uh, Hello. Um, I love your show. Thank you. (laughs) I'd like to know, I have two amaryllis plants that I brought downstairs for a few months, you know, to let them rest and then it got yellow then I cut up the leaves and then I brought them upstairs and the leaves are doing very well they're growing you know but how do I get the amaryllis to come back
3: well (laughs) did you give it a good dose of uh, compost or fertilizer to get it growing again fertilize it with what Well usually when we let them have a rest Yeah and then when we want to get them start growing again it's like springtime for them so we want to give them some food to get them going Okay And usually though if y- you wait to see because it will be the flower bud that will come up first if the leaves have come up there's a chance that maybe you won't get a flower this time oh, that you're I just see, going
6: yeah, to get the leaves These are really growing you know there's no bud or nothing
2: there Right so. Right <laughs> How long did you have them down in the basement uh, about three months, I think. So yeah. for the whole summer. Yeah. Hmm. Usually we usually we
6: summer. get. Th- no, I brought it back uh, about a month and a half ago. Oh, okay. You know. Well, and, so- uh But I didn't fertilize it or anything.
2: So. Moving forward to the next season, what Mm -hmm. I would do if I were you, if you really love these amaryllis and you do want to keep them and you hope to have them flower, is allow them to grow as green plants, which they're going to do from now right through until next July.
6: Right, right, right. Oh wow! Yeah, and then next. Or leave them in the sunny window. I have them in a sunny window, like a south window.
2: Perfect. And you can even take them outside next Mm -hmm. spring. You know, in May or June, take them outside, let them grow outside. About the end of July or early August, stop watering. Uh huh. Uh, Eventually, as you know, the leaves will turn yellow. So by the end of August, they're just yellow, shriveled up leaves. And at that point put them away in the basement. So by that time, it's, what, September 1st. Yes. For how September? long? Uh, I would leave them down in the basement till December the 1st. Oh, so the all first. of and September, then? all of October, all of November, so three months. Uh-huh, Pull uh-huh. them up December 1st, put them in the sunshine, water once, and cross your fingers that the first <laughs> thing that comes up is a flower. Okay, thank you.
6: And i like to know, somebody called about hydrangea. What is a hydrangea? I re- I, the name is familiar, but I can't remember what it looks like.
2: That's the one with the round flowers, uh, balls, balls of flowers. Typically called mophead, uh, f- mophead hydrangeas are macrophylla, round flowers, big green leaves, round yeah, shrub. Yeah, yeah. I'll hydrangeas are very remember. popular. They're very popular, popular plants. Okay.
6: Thank you, Charlie. Have Thanks a Thanks for day, calling, weekend. Dina. Thank you, you too. Much. I love your show.
2: Thanks. Yeah, there's been a lot of breeding in the hydrangeas. Amazing. And lots of new ones. Yes. Both the paniculatas and the macrophyllas. Yes. So we're seeing lots of interesting hydrangeas out there.
3: My favorite are the oak leaf hydrangeas. Me too. Very And especially in fall, the leaves are a beautiful color. Brandy. Yes. Do
2: you have an oak leaf hydrangea at your place? I do not. okay. I do. Because I got a dwarf one. They get really big, Oh, uh, eh? Yes. This year I have no flowers on it, though, because it's that really, really cold winter. Hmm. The flowers on the oak leaf hydrangeas have to grow on last year's growth. Right. That
3: so a bad if winter. there's too
2: much cut back in the spring because there's too much die back from the winter, you don't get flowers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I have, it's quite a prolific plant. It sends suckers all over the place. So if you want, I'll give you one. All right. All right. It's a deal. All right, why don't we go, we'll have have a break right now, and then we'll come back and speak
1: with Julia. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer
2: Radio, AM 740. Charlie Dobbin and Tina Van Andel with you this morning. Glad to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Okie doke. Julia is on the line, calling from
1: Milton. Good morning, Julia.
2: Good
1: morning, ladies. Good morning. Uh, my question is, it has to do with uh, black-eyed Susans. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year and this year, I noticed that, like, I have quite a, quite a few because I live in the country, and um, uh, quite a few of them I noticed have uh, started to get uh, bl- started to turn black, like the leaves they still flower is that some kind of disease and if it is a disease like this fall should I just be digging them right out and and uh, cleaning the soil and not letting them come back again in the same place when you say
2: black does the black start as little spots like a little spot that gets bigger and bigger
1: Um, no they just seem to be like I've got some out there where they've got the the flowers on the top and the whole plant, like it's mm-hmm. you know about two feet tall, mm-hmm. is just completely collapsed. Black. Okay. Uh, to- or dark, like a real dark, dark color. They're not green <laughs> and mushy. Like if they, no, they're not mushy. No, the mushy it's spe- almost like
2: they're dry. You know what? I wouldn't. Okay. It's funny you mentioned that you live in the country and you have quite a few black-eyed Susans. And I flashed on you wouldn't believe the number of people in the city who have. Quite a few black-eyed yes. Susans, because cool. once you have one, you typically have they more. Over. They yeah. come. I love them. They're just yeah. like a happy plant. They day. are. They're truly happy and friendly. But I think we had some very extreme heat and dry. We didn't have any rain, and I'm in Richmond Hill, so you know, virtually the same latitude as you, or even a bit north. I'm wondering if the black-eyed Susan suffered for lack of moisture back in August and early September.
1: No, so this has been going on um, almost from the beginning of the summer. Like, it's almost like once the plant has started uh, coming up, mm-hmm. it's starting to turn black. Mm-hmm. And I've got, like, parts of them that are just normal, green when flowering, and then certain just certain sections of some that have just... Um, uh, they just, it just seems to, you cut them, you cut them off, like when they're small I was cutting off the the dark stuff, but they just seem to continue being dark, almost like they it's got some kind of a disease or something. I don't see any bugs, there's no netting on them, like, you know, like mites or anything like that, or spiders.
2: Okay. I don't think of black-eyed Susans as being very susceptible to a lot of issues and problems or diseases, but you're right, it does sound a bit suspicious. Uh, let's see, black spots on Rudbeckia, which is the proper name for black-eyed Susan, um, co- quite common occur, I am just quickly Googled this, in a large percentage of the population each year, many causes, uh, fungal disease called septoria leaf spot, uh, which is also common in tomatoes. Do you have any tomatoes on the property? No. No? Okay. Uh, okay. Let's see. So it starts as small, dark brown lesions. They grow bigger and bigger throughout the summer, little, so the black spots get bigger and bigger. Um, and eventually, of course, the plant just uh, drops. So your idea of being careful to clean up the debris, the foliage, the diseased foliage, and not putting it in the composter, not keeping it on the property at all is a good one, because that's all part of that good garden hygiene. So yes, indeed, I would do that. Do you need to remove the entire plant? Good question. I don't think so. I think next year's a whole new year, so it's more of a weather-dependent situation. And and Tina mentioned earlier to one of our callers, and this is good advice for everybody, is remember to top-dress all your garden plants with good quality compost, whether it's homemade compost or composted manure in the spring or later in the fall. This is something that just helps to have happy, healthy, well-rounded, tough plants that are not likely to get knocked down by diseases or bugs. So yes, clean up the debris, get it off the property and think about top dressing with good quality compost next year.
1: Okay, good luck. Thank you very much.
2: All right, thanks for your call. Okay, you were reading that, I was talking, but was I right there? (laughs) You're always right, Charlie. I wish. <laughs> I try not to wing it, you know. I do try to actually, you know, know what I'm talking about. All right, I think we have time for one more call if we're fairly quick. Milana is calling from Cambridge. Good morning. Morning. I'm calling about
8: um, climbing hydrangea.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, I've been adding them to my garden. I have a number of cultivars, and uh, one of them didn't flower at all. it had so much dieback, I cut it back, and now I've got new ones in. i scored a whole bunch of great ones at the garden center just
2: now. Just to clarify, are we talking about climbing hydrangea or climbing honeysuckle? Uh, Sorry, honeysuckle. Okay, perfect. You had me thinking of hydrangea. Honeysuckle, sorry. Okay, no worries. Yep, gotcha. Climbing honeysuckle, yep. And um, I just, you know, I'm
8: not sure quite how to treat them. I have one where the... the trellis that it was on—an old wooden trellis—has rotted out at the bottom, so I, I'm thinking I have to cut that back now and put in a new trellis. Absolutely. And I, and I just don't know anything or very much about the care and feeding of them. Full sun. Full sun to
2: avoid disease. Keep it's an up uh, for the head or sun for the root as well. Both. Entire okay. plant should be in as much sun as possible. You do need to provide something for them to grow on, whether it's a trellis or a fence. They will twine, but they don't. They don't have suckers, and they don't. They're not. Um, yeah, they're not like some plants that really, really, really can just grow anywhere. So you do have to make sure that you've got something for them to grow on, and keep an eye on them. Visit your honeysuckle every single day in the spring and early summer, and watch for aphids. On the tips, So little tiny bugs who will suck the juices from the growing tips of the honeysuckle, and it happens quite consistently with many honeysuckle, and when it happens, not only are the aphids weakening the plant, but the honeydew that drips onto the leaves then gets a sooty black mold growing on the leaves, and before you know it, it's all just a god-awful yeah. mess. Not attractive at all. And what about pruning? Like, do I prune them in the spring, or...? I would, for shape, for sure. Because you know what? When you first plant them, you're going to have one or two branches that are going to grow like crazy, and they're going to be, you know, six feet high, and then nothing else is at the base. So remember, you you cut down, remove tips, you will encourage width. So you'll get more branching if you cut down the tops of the very tall uh, growth. Okay.
3: Okay. And so, I like to prune something like that to let a lot of air circulation around the branches too because that helps to prevent a lot of problems that if you get powdery mildew on them or even, you know, the aphids and mm, stuff.
2: That's right. So they're, they're fairly high care in that sense yes. that you do want to keep an eye on them. But if, if they're healthy and looked after and monitored, they often do very, very well without too much, you know, work. But you do, have, like I said, visit them every day and, <laughs> and enjoy them because when they're flowering, they smell great. Oh. I got a cultivar called Sensation. Oh, yeah. smell is, oh, my God, it perfumed my whole yard. Sensational. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for your call. Well, that's a wrap. We're just about, that's it. The hour's done. How fast was that? That was very fast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Charlie. I've had so much fun. I'm so happy you came, because it, it is always more fun when you've got a buddy in the studio. Thanks. I should I should run a lottery or something on yeah. that next time Frank goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Tina laughs. No, nobody would want to do this. <laughs> yes, they would. So, no, so really, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it. You've been a great help and a, and a good good company. Thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do any of this without your help. And you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the callers. So I want to thank the good callers for good questions. I do have some email that I printed off. I didn't get a chance to get to on the show, but hopefully we can get to that next week. So we'll see you all again
0: next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.